Uh, we're seeing this morning the way in which five people's lives, five people's stories, as they intersect with the story of Jesus, are just totally transformed. And before we uh, see them go down at the pool and get baptized, I, I want us just to think for a little while of another man whose story intersected with the story of Jesus and his life was transformed forever. If you've got a Bible, you can reach for it and turn to Matthew's Gospel and to chapter 8. You can reach for a Bible in the, in the pews, the red ones, that's found on page 972. Matthew chapter 8. Uh, the verses will come up on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, you can have it open in front of you. And all we're going to do really simply is just work through the text, see what it says, think a little bit about what it means, and see how, again, Jesus transforms the story of this man. He's a leper. We read in Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to read a bit by bit, verse 1, when he, that's Jesus, came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Now, notice only just two things here. Uh, one about what has just happened. One thing about what is about to happen. What has Jesus just been doing? He has been on top of a mountain, and he has been teaching, and a large crowd follow him. Whatever he has just said has provoked such a reaction that people weren't satisfied just listening and then dispersing, but they listen, are provoked, and so follow him. I've done a little bit of speaking. Never has anyone followed me after I've spoken. I, Sarah and I would probably find it a little bit weird if, if you follow us home today. But something in what Jesus has just said has so stirred them. In fact, you can tell what it is. Look back at chapter 7, just the two verses before, verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So what's provoked the people? They've compared him to their own teachers. Now what he taught wasn't dissimilar to what they'd been teaching. The same material was covered in some ways. It was a lot about God's law, a lot about God's kingdom. And yet inherent in what Jesus said, there was this power, this authority that set him apart. So they follow him something about what's just been said now something about what is about to happen he comes down the mountainside large crowds follow him whatever is about to happen there is a large crowd that will function as witnesses whatever is about to happen will naturally go viral because a large crowd followed him so if you think of Matthew who writes this account of Jesus' life 20, maybe 30 years later, and he's trying to get to the details of the story, what does he have to do? He just has to chase down some of the crowd. I say, hang on, were you there? Is this how it happened? Uh, let me check with this. Is, is this true? He may even be able to track down the individual at the heart of the story to make sure that the details are correct. This isn't fanciful myth that you're reading this morning. This is what happened in history. When he was coming down the mountainside, large crowds followed him. We keep reading. A man with leprosy. Stop. Now, if you're a leper, you inhabit a kind of double suffering. There is obviously the suffering of the disease, which itself was horrific. 
But actually added to that suffering comes the double punch of the stigma that is attached to the disease. If you're a leper, you're not just diseased, but you are then distanced from everyone and everything in society. Not just disease, but distance. You were considered to be contagious, and so you were shut out from everything. And not only does this man have to come to grips with the fact that he has an excruciating, painful, and an escalating illness, but he's got to come to terms with the fact that he is going to suffer this alone. He's diseased and distanced. More than that, he would be diseased and dirty. If you were a leper, you were considered completely unclean. So you were cut off as well from the religious life of his people. That's why when you read through the Bible and you come across lepers, what they talk of is not just curing the leprosy, but cleansing the leper. He's not just diseased, he's dirty. But more than that, he's diseased, he's distanced, he's dirty, and actually he's dead. He is the living dead. In the Bible, curing someone, cleansing someone from leprosy is put on a par with raising the dead. Hope of cleansing is pretty minimal. Diseased, distanced, dirty, dead. Now a little sidebar on what we're doing this morning. I don't know if you noticed in these four stories people told, their testimonies, there was a lot of chat about things like sin, being unworthy, uh, falling short of God's standards, being dirty, needing to be made clean. Now, how do you react when you hear that? Because I think for most of us whose ears have kind of been conditioned by our culture, it's a little bit strange. Because what does the culture do? It basically does everything it can to distract us and tell us to ignore and put aside any thought that there would be something wrong inside of us. So culture would give the advice, okay, let me distract you. Uh, Don't look inside. Put a DVD on. uh, Go shopping. Kill zombies on your Xbox. Uh, Let the endless Twitter feed tickle you and keep you tickled. But do not look inside. Uh, This idea of guilt in our culture, we always tend to slide in the word before it, groundless guilt. Any idea of guilt is always thought to be groundless, as if someone is beating themselves up for something that they shouldn't really be bothered about. Uh, It leaves us in this world where there's never really anything appropriate for us to feel sorry for. All guilt is groundless. You know, the inconvenience of Christianity, as opposed to something like Islam or Judaism, or maybe your own kind of code of moralism, is that in those worldviews, being a good person is actually quite achievable. Uh, It is possible to attain the standard of goodness. The inconvenience of Christianity is it makes insanely perfectionist ideals and asks for perfection even in the realm of motives. It asks these frankly impossible demands. Take the law that Jesus has just taught on the top of this mountain. 
He's just upped the ante to a state in which anger is as forbidden as uh, murder, in which desire can be as much a betrayal as adultery, and in which a good deed done for the wrong reason is condemned as a bad deed. Now, what does that perfectionism do? What does that standard do? It renders all of us guilty, all of us missing the mark, all of us unclean. If everyone is guilty and no one gets to congratulate themselves, then even murderers or adulterers or a leper can't be shunned. They cannot be held at arm's length by those of us who are clean as those who are unclean. But actually, we're all unclean. All of us are unclean. And actually, honestly, deep down, don't we know that? There is something in us that has as much propensity to tragedy and farce as it does for happy endings. There is much potential in me to screw things up as to make things better. There is much in me that gets a buzz out of being rebellious as any kind of pride, pride for doing something good. Actually, there is something in all of us that testifies we are not what we ought to be. And the Bible would say we are all unclean. If we want to use the kind of imagery of this story, it is if all of us inhabit this diseased, dirty, dead skin of the leper. However much we want to try and cover up by our designer fig leaves, that skin is our skin. Those with that skin are our kin. And rather than distract ourselves from this, as the culture might tempt us to, we need to own this story as our story. Because unless you take the bad stuff about you seriously, you will never truly know yourself. But you'll condemn yourself to the maintenance of an exhausting illusion that is a false front to yourself. That sure, it might keep out doubt, it might keep out discomfort, but actually it keeps out any hope of change, of life, of freedom. A man with leprosy, a preacher, a student, a father, a lawyer, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him. We read on, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him. Now, given his condition, he was obviously desperate, but he would have known the rules of the game. When a leper saw a large crowd like this, he was not permitted to get anywhere close. And if he did, then either the crowd would have picked up stones to drive him away, or they would have been repulsed and run themselves. He knew the rules of the game. But this leper in Matthew's gospel is a plucky little leper. If you read uh, other lepers that come and meet Jesus, there's some in Luke's gospel, chapter 17, and they know the rules. They observe the kind of 50 paces rule for a leper. And when they see Jesus, they stay away and just shout, Hey, Jesus, have pity on us. Not this guy. The plucky little leper runs straight up to Jesus and falls flat on his face before him. 
he came and knelt before him. For this guy, it is do or die. It is get clean or die trying. He came and knelt before him. Now I think in that phrase, he came and knelt before him, we have the biggest miracle in this little story. I'll give away the end of the story. He gets cleansed of his leprosy, all right? That's coming, you knew that. But that's not the biggest miracle. This is the biggest miracle in this story. He came and knelt before him. Who is the him? The him is Jesus, who according to Matthew, the writer of this gospel, is God. The creator God, the one God, the true God, the eternal God. He came and knelt before him. He is not just God's representative. He is not just God's ambassador. He is not just God's spokesman. He is God, according to Matthew. That is the greatest miracle in this story. Now, what would this Jesus have looked like? Well, he's a male Jew in first century Palestine. He's probably got a beard. He's probably quite small. He's probably quite smelly compared to modern standards. He has probably got bad teeth. He is a human just like me and you. If you cut him, he bleeds. But you meet him, and at the same time, you are meeting the being responsible for this universe. He is God in flesh. That's a miracle. That this diseased, dirty leper would find himself face to face with God. That as God becomes a man, he does not go to the palaces or the universities or the governments, but he comes to a man in his suffering. Face to face with a dirty little leper. That's the biggest miracle of this story. That God would come with him in his suffering to end his suffering. Do you know that is massively offensive to some worldviews? That God would be in contact with such disease. That you would say God could be man. It stands in such contrast to things like evolution. Because when it comes to evolution, it does not work without continuous suffering. Suffering is not incidental to evolution. It is the method that evolution trumbles along on the track paved by the little bones of little dirty lepers. Not so Christianity. God comes to us in our suffering, to be with us in our suffering, to end our suffering. That's amazing. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice there, he doesn't doubt Jesus' ability for a second. That is not even in the picture. He's heard the stories. He's met the people he's cleansed in the past. It is not a question of power. It is a question of will. Will he be willing to heal? And as he throws himself at his feet, his posture matches his words. Completely surrenders himself humbly before this God of all authority. He comes and kneels before him. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Face on the ground before Jesus. Now, what do you think is going through his head? 
What was causing his heart to beat fast in that moment? What's he going to do? When I look up, will he have balked and bolted? When I look up, will he have picked up stones like the rest of the crowd to drive me away? But before he hears anything, before he sees anything, he feels something. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. That's the point where you're meant to go, what? He touched a leper? He You don't touch lepers. He reached out his hand and he touched him. Without words, Jesus says to the man, I am willing to become what you are by nature, dirty, so that you might become what I am, free, alive, clean. He reached out his hands and he touched him. Isn't it true that behind a lot of our pretense of togetherness or goodness, there is a deep-seated fear that people will be repulsed if they knew the true us, the real us. So the husband who is too scared to tell his wife of his pornography addiction, or the woman who is too ashamed to tell her husband that she was sexually abused as a child, the son who is too frightened to return to his parents because of the pain that he has caused them, We know we're dirty, but we're too scared to confess our dirtiness because of what we think the reaction will be. Matthew says, look, for Jesus, he is never too disgusted. There is no one too unclean to touch. There is no one too lost to be found. But he's very content, in fact, willing to reach out his hands and touch the dirtiest of the dirty, the most lost of all the lost, the most sinful of all the sinners. And so to this touch, he adds these amazing words, I am willing, be clean. Now again, it's interesting as to what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say to the bloke, here's a law to live by, or here's an ethical code to abide to, or here's some standards to attain. That would have been useful for the leper, useless to the leper. All the law has done is told him that he is unclean. What he needs is not the law, but the creator who can bring the dead to life and make the unclean clean and who can bring the excluded home. You're mistaken if you think Christianity is all about living up to a certain standard, even a God-given standard. All that God's law does is teach us his character to show us that we are unclean and so to drive us to the one who can make us clean. I am willing. Be clean. The powerful words of Jesus. Rather than the leper contaminating Christ, Christ cleanses this leper. Do you know we see this clearly in this story? We see it sharper still in Jesus' crucifixion where we see he's not only willing to touch a leper to cleanse him, but he's willing for that same hand that touched a leper to be nailed to a cross, where he would die 
for my dirtiness. He hung on that cross. He takes upon himself the dirtiness of my sin. And so he suffers the distance from God that that dirtiness deserves. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, in that distance, in that dirtiness, he dies. The clean becoming unclean so that the unclean can become clean. I am willing to be clean. And we're told immediately, immediately he was cured of his leprosy. The power of Jesus' words seen in the leper's total and immediate cleansing. Whatever part of his body had been ravaged and destroyed by this disease, instantaneously restored. And that's what's dramatized before us this morning. These five friends, they know that cleanness is a requirement for knowing the Creator God. And they confess that they are unclean by nature, unclean by date. And yet in Jesus, they found the one who says, I am willing to be clean, who brings total cleansing, total forgiveness. That doesn't happen this morning. But these people are simply reminding us of what happened to them when they fell on their face before Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I don't know where you're at. I don't know however much you feel your sin or whether or not you confess it. But the Bible speaks truth when it says there is a dirtiness to us that means that we are dirty from the inside out, that we are like the living dead, and that we will be distanced from God for eternity. You need this story of the leper to be your story. For as it were God to take you up a mountain and say, let me teach you that you are unclean, but then to bring you down the mountain so that you can fall at the feet of Jesus and say, although I am clean, Lord... If you are willing, make me clean. There was never anyone that Jesus drove away. Every single one hears the words, I am willing. Be clean. Let's pray.